Hello, welcome to the Honest Wargamer. I'm your host, Rob. I'm joined by Mr. Owen Jackson for the Age of Sigma Stat Center. Uh, that's right, we're here live to talk about the event results from Age of Sigma around the world. And Owen, I've missed you. Where you been? How you been? What's been going on? I've been working for the man, haven't I, Rob? I've been working for the Me man. Me too. Although I just, I just caught sight of myself on the stream. It looks like I just woke up in the road or something. I've got quite a shabby vibe going on today but we're gonna roll with it um no, i'm all right yeah i'm good um i think i was just saying then like to mark it out of 10 i mean you're a solid nine with those dungas a lot of people a lot of uh, people maybe... if you listen to the podcast big shout out to you i hope you stay hydrated you hydro homies uh, but a lot of people loving the dungarees on the twitch stream i want to say shout out to everyone on twitch for joining us live you gorgeous fellas um yeah like i'm feeling good today feeling good mainly because i did almost no work over the weekend i mean that helps, right? You know, have a little bit of time off for once in your life. Even though it was, um, what would I say? It was like unplanned time off, but it looked really great though, man. Those pictures of you and Benjamin and everybody having ice creams. And it looked like you were having a Warhammer tournament on the shores of Lake Garda or somewhere in Italy. It looked pretty fancy pants. I must say it looked great. So, uh, I yeah, so what I was referencing is uh, our, me and the TSN crew um, uh, were at... Uh, Bobo this weekend, so Bobo 2021, uh, Heat 1, there are two heats, there's one now, there's one in November, it's at Nottingham University campus, we were meant to be doing the coverage, uh, when we got there, as is always the way, uh, they'd organised a, a hardline internet connection, uh, and then the hardline internet connection wasn't working, uh, which was quite funny. Um, uh, and then we tried to do it off our like our 5G kind of modem that we bring like as a backup, uh, and that wasn't strong enough, and so we elected just not to do it. But one of the cool things is is we did record we recorded two tables worth of games every round uh, for so they're going to be going up mm, over the next couple of days, like because they're quite huge files to upload. They're like 10 gig, well, not 10 gig, sorry. Um, no, they, no, they are. They're 10 gig of file uh, to upload, basically. It's like this. It's a three-hour file, basically, most of the time. Um, but, yeah, it was in Nottingham University, which is local to me. Uh, so that's fantastic. I love that. But the exciting thing about Nottingham University is that it's based around this huge, beautiful lake, which if you're local to Nottingham, you often will go on a date and you will uh, you will get some kind of can like canoes, rowboats, rowboats. It's very, like, Victorian. Yeah, like okay. you go for a little rowboat on the lake. It's super sweet. Uh, so the venue was actually pretty fantastic. Uh, and I really enjoyed my experience um, uh, over the weekend. It was just a shame we couldn't do the actual coverage because there were some pretty interesting games maybe more from a technical standpoint but i do you know what was really nice we were kind of partitioned away sorry for going on about it but we were partitioned away and one of the really nice things was instead of just covering the two games and kind of going through that frantic pace and most of you who won't have done coverage or even seen us doing coverage it's a huge amount of work but the bit you don't see is the volume of work you do in between games you're picking your players, you're picking... And I always love doing it at Bobo because Johnny who run, Johnny and John run Bobo. John's like the host and Johnny does all the technical stuff. Johnny's a phenomenal... like Very much like Mark at Blood Tithe, Mark Wilson. Mark Wilson was like, here's your matches. I was like, thanks, Mark. And I trusted Mark to make them entertaining because he knew kind of my specifications. Johnny was very similar. Um, but instead of that, I was just hanging out in the room making sure all the tech was working for the recordings. And then I was just... I had an amazing chat with Simon Weekly who might be like 
like I think eleven times smarter than me, like eleven hundred percent smarter than me, and he's going to tell me that. Yeah, he he's going to tell me that's not possible now. Um, I got to speak to like Benjamin and Mathmalo and all those guys like constantly about Warhammer, and we were talking about Cruel Boys, and it was just fun. Like it was it was like I was at the event, um, but I just got to absorb Warhammer knowledge for the weekend. So actually, I had a great time. It was really fun. Good. Well, I think you deserve that sort of weekend every now and again, man, because otherwise I've seen what those normal like tournament weekends are like. And it's like one million miles an hour. And all you're doing is doing. You're not necessarily having an opportunity to sort of soak up the atmosphere and, and, and you know, have that learning there. Um, so good for you, man. I was very jealous, I must say. You but I was, also so- je- I was also jealous because I was meant to be in Sweden also this weekend. That was another option. Uh, but we weren't allowed in Sweden. I saw Bob and asked a question earlier. In- people from England aren't allowed in Sweden at the moment. Uh, we're not allowed to travel. We're considered a third world country. We're actually not a third world country. We're a third country or some sort of like, I don't know, independent. I don't know what we are, but we're not allowed in Sweden. are like, fuck you. So uh, not allowed in. Uh, and thanks to Pragmatic for donating five gift subscriptions. And yes, we did uh, record matches with player audio and dice rolls, which is really fun. Uh, one of the exciting things is Andy Hughes won the event. You got to say, see him play his Seraphon against the 70 Pink Horrors, or I think it's known as the Tree Fiddy. Uh, played by Mr. Simon Weekly, the Tree Fiddy, uh, which mm-hmm. was causing some consternation over the weekend. No one wanted to be play. No one wanted to play the Seventy Horrors. No one. Yeah, I mean, he put in a chat on Monday morning. Uh, this morning, yeah, today's Monday. Uh, he put in a chat going, "God, yeah." So it turns out my list. Nobody wants to play my list, and I thought I said to him. We all knew that the moment you submitted that list. It's like anti-fun. It's just like, I'm going to do a one drop. I'm going to teleport my pinks in front of you. And then you're going to have to get out of a big cage made of jelly for the next four turns. And when you finally break out, I've got all the points and all the gold. GG. Well, uh, just a, as a side note, uh, because it, it, it led to maybe one of my funniest games of Warhammer ever. It was really funny. There was a lot of uh, players who play a lot, especially Age of Sigmar 3. Some players like yourself, you've been to 10, 11 events now. I think, is it 10 you've got under your belt? No, I think it's actually 12, to be honest with you, Rob. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Owen's got 12 events under his belt, but people like Math Mallow and Benjamin and uh, Sam Weekly and Andy Hughes have all played a ton of events. Matt Goldsborough uh, and uh, mm-hmm. Simon Weekly with the 70 Pink Horrors got drawn against Matt Goldsborough. And again, Matt must have been to a dozen or so events himself for Age of Sigmar 3. But what was very fun, we were in this kind of uh, separate room um, this kind of like the streaming area was so it's kind of like moved away so I would say it was a lot of people who were very competent having adult conversations about Warhammer and uh, it was really fun Simon Weekly won the ro- they were both one drops uh, so Lumineth versus the 70 Horrors Simon won the turn to go first uh, and then uh, and then Matt was like cool let's not even deploy <laughs> like it didn't matter like they, they didn't even bother with the deployment because he just moves he bridged because he had bridge bridge is the 30 yeah, mm-hmm. makes the auto charge. It's impossible to get out. Yeah, pins the unit in. Uh, so pins the warden sectors and everything else in. Uh, makes you unable to achieve any battle tactics. You can't do well. You can't do any of them specifically. Uh, so it was like uh, what was hilarious was is everyone else was just deploying and they were handing in their score sheets. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious, but it's also pretty bad for the game, right? When you think that it can be, you don't even need to deploy. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> but they're teammates as well and they would have talked about the list so they know exactly what it does so 
yeah, why not have yeah. a couple? Was it the first game on the Sunday morning as well? So maybe it was yeah, first game on the Sunday morning, um, and uh, and I think maybe had I not been there, I'd have been like, oh, is that some gossip? But it wasn't really. Like when you were there, like because w- what was good about Johnny as well? Like, oh God, this is such a long story now. I'm sorry, but Johnny Johnny uh, was like, look, I want you to work all of it out. Um, go. Yeah, and then they were just like, "Cool, this is uh, this is the situation." But it was a very unique situation, right? Because uh, Simon ended up losing to Seraph. No, he didn't. He, Simon got twelve eight against Seraphon, but he did lose to Sons of Behemoth. So, like, it's not a foregone conclusion, but it is a pretty problematic list, I'm gonna say. Uh, but we can talk more about that on another show or just whatever. Like, it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, loads of events from the weekend, though. Let's try and get back on topic if that's possible. Uh, I, I, I like really being nice. off topic. That was great. It was just like. Really yeah. having a conversation, and then I realised that we were live on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, do you know what was what I mean about the room of people though? It was really fun, where like literally everyone stopped playing their game, and it was a bunch of, in my opinion, very competent gamers who kind of who were all kind of invested in who placed well in the scoring and everything mm. else. Just came around the table and were like, "Oh, explain it." We went through this. Um, we went through this conversation and then we all just kind of chatted it out. It was just an interesting kind of thought exercise. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, it was great. It was great fun. I had a great time. Good. Anyway. Anyway. Are you at the November, Bobo, Owen? That's the question. Yes. yes, I am indeed. I am. I'm looking forward to it greatly. I'll see you there, Lee. Get the shots ready, baby. Let's go. Ooh. <laughs> that was a big slap. Sorry for everyone on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, right, so uh, we have four, four five-man events from this weekend to talk about. We do. That's a lot of Warhammer, right? Uh, a lot of Warhammer, a lot of Warhammer, lots of lots of really good information to, to kind of deep dive. Uh, should we start out with Michigan GT? Yeah. Um, uh, 78 players. Now, interesting thing about our four events today. For you guys um, to to kind of like have a think about afterwards, and I'd love to know what your thoughts are in the comments. If you're watching this back on YouTube, or tweet us or something. If you're watching it um, uh, wherever, uh, is that two of the events are win loss draw. And again, if this is new, uh, I'll make sure um, uh, to explain it. So you, if you win five games, uh, so that's five wins. Uh, then basically sometimes you get some points, but basically you went 5-0. And there might be some other people in 5-0, and sometimes there's a secondary to break those apart. Uh, and then so like if you're 4-1, you've won four and you've lost one. Uh, so two of the events are win-loss-draw. Two of the events, though, are using the 20-0 system, so the differential system that I've talked about loads on the show. Uh, they use that as the primary. So instead of it being win-loss-draw, they used the 20-0 system as the primary and actually one of the things i'd like to talk about today a little bit is how fascinating i find that to be because actually it didn't make too much of a difference at bobo but it had a significant difference at uh fanatic basically um uh, like because the person first lost a game uh like and the person in i think sixth seventh went five oh five oh in in technical terms Um, oh i saw that yeah 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 i did see that that's i mean what just as a slight aside then, Rob, you had a lot of, as you say, very competent, drilled gamers who play a lot of Warhammer at Bobo. Did you get a feel or were there, were there any opinions in the room there on, on that type of scoring? Yes. Um, uh, like, uh, I don't know. So there was a really good day game between Dan Bradshaw and Benjamin Sava, and then another one between, um, uh, yeah, so that game. And their game was like, uh, like as discussed... Very, very close. And I think it was an 11-9 uh, 
to, and this isn't on uh, in-game points, so your your victory points in-game, this is tournament points. So the bigger the difference inside the game, so if I beat you by 24 to 4, that's 20 points difference, that would turn it into a 20 nil. Where if I only beat you 14 to 4, it's 10 points difference, that would turn it into a 15 5. Uh, so their game was so close that it was an 11 9. So ultimately mm. close. And again, when uh, Dan with his four Mega Gargants played against Simon Weekly 70 Pink Horrors, that was a 12 8 to Dan. So again, very, very close. But the interesting thing about the win-loss draw is that, and we all talked about it, and none of us really settled on, because it's a feeling, right? Like, um, you end up, like, in those games where they're very close, the score is really reflective of how close the game was. So actually, it's quite interesting. Because if, if we didn't have that, if we just went win-loss draw, we would have heard about the four Mega Gargants beating the 70 Pink Horrors, and we wouldn't have had any, like, whatever. But actually, the fact that we know it was an 11-9, and we know that Dan made an 11-inch charge and a 10-inch charge, yeah, in order to secure that, that two-point difference, which is what made it an 11-9, a two-point in-game, which made it an 11-9, actually, we know that that game was phenomenally close. And it's quite yeah. interesting. So, from, like, I'd like to analyze games perspective... 20-0 seems like a really, really nice way to look at it. But what you have to really overcome is you might win five games, but you might not come first. And I guess like, it kinda, I wonder what the Twitch chat think, and I wonder what you think. Um, I, I think I would just use it as a secondary. It's kind of my taken away. My takeaway, I would use the primary would be I would just go for win-loss draw, and then the secondary would be the differential. But... I could kind of see the argument. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I do remember playing a lot of games in AOS 2 and you would be like playing your little socks off and then get pipped at the end and it would be a 20-0. And you'd be like, oh, that doesn't in any way feel representative of the game. So I like the granularity. I know that some people argue that they want a win to be a win. Um, yeah, much like Cinderful Gaming saying that a win in football is a win, whether it's 1-0 or 5-0. Um, but yeah, I think that Warhammer is more complicated than football, though, because it's not just get the ball in the goal. Is like agreed. Now there's battle tactics and there's objectives and there's multiple paths to victory. Um, I definitely like the differential in teams, but I'm not a huge details man, to be honest with you. I do like it being a meritocracy, though. Like you play well and you get a certain amount of points out of that, out of that sort of from the scoring system. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I think I like it because the game is incredibly varied and incredibly granular, isn't it? So why not have a scoring system which reflects that granularity or, you know, like somebody might just bust out a 12-inch charge and that then gets them the win, which gives them a massive 20-0, whereas you're like, I had control of that whole game. Um, yeah, there's some people like Pete and Cabbage and I'm sure that there's some some more um, analytical minds about the game that have some more clearer thoughts than me. But um, yeah, I, I, also, Rob, there's lots of Warhammer going on, lots of tournaments. So why don't we try some different things and see where we settle? Um, nothing would ever get changed if we just kept it as it was. So, um, well, you know. uh, that's, that's the kind of point uh, when we look at this stuff from the weekend, just gone, well, gone now, it'll be, it'll be, uh, it'll be really interesting to just, 
Uh, it doesn't happen. So the interesting thing for UK events, at least going forward, because we have a Swedish event and a UK event from this weekend where it's happening. We also have War in the Heartlands in two weeks' time, which I'll be doing coverage from, which is still the 20-0 system as the primary. And we also have uh, the next Bobo as well. And then in the UK, we also have Six Nations, which is doing an interpretate, an interpretation. Uh, like an interpretation on the 20 nil system a bit because uh, primary's 15 right like a win's 15 but like um i agree with you like it, it's, it's fascinating and again very much like the stat center you and me owen and the the twitch chat so that's you and if you've been listening to the podcast or watching it back you guys have been pushing this 504132 narrative that we've all been kind of talking about since age of sigma 3 launched so thank you all for kind of having that adult conversation all of it's interesting all of it. I guess what we're really asking is what makes it the most fun for all of us to do. That's what we're really asking every time. We want to go to events because that's what the Unspoiled Game is really about, uh, and the Stat Center especially. We want to go and have fun, obviously, and what seems the fairest and makes the most sense. Who knows? Who knows if there's a perfect answer? Uh, but there might be a best compromise, and, I, and I'd love to know what everyone thinks um, because I can see the chat going off about it. So keep going off chat, you bunch of kings. Uh, <laughs> the chat kings, let's go. Uh, all right. Um, uh, the stuff on the weekend. Owen, do you want to take me through some of it? Do you want to tell me what happened at Michigan? Yes, let's do that. So um, this is the Michigan GT um, based on the various bits of tournament software that we've got around. I think this was the biggest event from the weekend. So let's let's start there. So yeah, this is a place called Lansing in, in between Michigan and Detroit. Um, Let's put a, I'll put a link in the chat now if people want to have a look at the lists or whatever. Um, there we go. Um, but yeah, so I had a little look um, at the meta overall just to see what sorts of armies were taken. So there were 78 players, five rounds. Um, so the most popular army was Soul Blight, uh, Soul Blight Grave Lords. I think it's proving to be pretty popular worldwide. Um, and then Gloomspike Gits actually had, so there were eight Soulblight armies, then there were six Gits armies, five Ogre Moor Tribes armies, and then quite a few armies on four. So Sons of Behemoth, Daughters of Cain, Ossiarch, Bone Reapers, Zeech, and Seraphon. So yeah, out of all those 78 players, there were three 5 and O's, Rob. Um, and it may be the start of the new green tide, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen this. Uh, it, it's really interesting. Uh, new book, new syndrome. So, like, we talked to a lot. Uh, shout out to uh, the Michigan GT boys. Uh, I love um, uh, when new books are out because it's so exciting to be able to play with them. I don't believe in no FAQ, no play. And two of the events that we're going to talk about this weekend were allowing books even if it was in some limited capacity um that haven't had the faq yet i don't think there's anything actually in the uruk war clans that's super problematic i think there might be in the stormcast book specifically translocate is the current conversation it does allow you to move afterwards which is the the main problem at the moment but um uh that's still like i still believe that's kind of like a fair usage especially if there happens to be any people locally at those events who happen to have foreknowledge i don't know if that's necessarily true at any of the events we're talking about but if you did happen to be a playtester or you did happen to be someone who had advanced knowledge of what the rule sets are uh, you can put yourself in a really positive position that said um uh like it's really exciting to see them their first placings right because i think we've seen a couple of examples of that this weekend 
And yeah, the green tide. Uh, do we think it's going to go really well? Uh, there's, uh, we know that there's going to be some shooting bolt boy lists coming out from uh, the um, oh, the cruel boys. And in fact, actually, uh, friend of the show and Cobra Kai friend uh, went four one this weekend. So shout out to him. Uh, but then we also have seen in the five zero bracket, we've seen two Uruk lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So starting off, um, this is Donny Gorlitz. Um, yeah, with a Blood Tooths uh, Iron Jaws list. So, um, yeah, if anybody hasn't caught it, that, that show the other week that you did with Leo will really get you jazzed about, about Iron Jaws. And obviously, someone's done really well this weekend. So, this is Donnie. Um, I'm not sure. Have we got the list on the Honest War Gamer? The I list think. is on the Honest War Gamer website and it is on the screen. Hey, look at that. Okay, I better click the button then. Um, here we go. So, yeah, Blood Tooths. So, Blood Tooths, you used to see a little bit, right, Rob? I think they used to have the Quick Duff Amulet, and we used to see that auto-teleport. But is it now that you just basically get multiple um, Violent Fury off the War Chanter? Is that correct? Is well, that the way it's always... Yes, uh, but I was actually trying to research this earlier, uh, just before the show started, and then uh, I unfortunately lost 15 minutes of show prep uh, because my app logged me out and won't let me re-sign in, and I uninstalled it, reinstalled it, and I bought the books. Oh, they're around here somewhere. Put the code in. I was like, ah, oh, and then I just didn't go on Wikipedia to find out because um, it got lost in translation, but I think potentially, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we go through every single list, this is going to be a five-hour show, so we won't do that, but it's basically... Double more crusher, triple sorry, double more crusher, double war chanter, um, a shaman, and then four units of three gold grunters in the double warlord. Um, I think we're going to see double warlord a lot because juicing up those mega bosses and giving them an artifact and a mount trait each um, is pretty spicy, right? Um, and yeah, uh, oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm on a show. I'm on a show. <laughs> um, oops. Yeah, yeah. so Bloodtooth is uh, Gorgrunt, a battle line. And uh, it's that double Moorcrusher, actually, I mean, which is so, so powerful. Uh, flaming weapons on Omega Wars and Moorcrusher is very, very scary. And obviously that Amulet of Destiny with uh, an article coming out soon about the Amulet of Destiny from Cabbage uh, about its efficacy. 50% actually more damage required is kind of a headline. You think it's 33% more wounds, but it's 50% more damage. Um, there's some sort of uh, uh, there's some sort of math there, which I still don't understand really. Uh, but yeah, Gorgrunt is a super super good. 15 wounds uh, that can double move. Um, so going 10 inches, moving 20 inches with that War Chanter buff being so powerful on them because they've got the two attack profiles. So that's plus one damage, not just plus to the rider, but also the Grunter. Um, so it's just a huge volume of damage, which works really well with smashing and bashing as well. Uh, so you can send the Gorgrunters forward if you want. You could, or you could throw in the two more crushes that are moving. So it's it's wild, basically. It's yeah. a lot of damage going fast. And also, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see different Lumineth lists because of Uruk Warclans, in my opinion. Oh, really? Well, so there hasn't been many lists. So one of the things that you tend to generally see with uh, the... There's two lists. I would argue, if you don't agree, tell me. There are two versions of the Lumineth list, right? You've got Severith, the two Wind Spirits, the 30 Sentinels um, in, I don't know, maybe in uh, Zytrek, maybe in Helon. Like, I think it's more likely uh, like them. And it could be in Sire as well. Or you have the 30 Sentinels and Teclis, and then you have the Wardens that kind of build yep. right 
either of them, it really focuses on uh, them being a one drop or it being a very low drop and the ability to remove uh, the damage that you see. Whereas the War Clans, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them go into one drops because they can do it quite nicely. And with that double move that you get from a Mighty Destroyers, just stick in literally everything into your opponent's face turn one. And one of the problems with those Lumineth builds is they can't push out mm. very well. They have a teleport, um, but that's about it. Uh, and also the damage coming out of the more crushes, as well as like, I don't know, six pigs buffed up or, um, you know, with smashing and bashing. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them like that Teclean build kind of fall away because it's so aggro. Like, two more crushes mm. going 24 inches. One of them maybe going 36. Six pigs going 20 inches. Um, so if you wanted to, just from one more crusher, you can have two six pigs going 20 inches, the more crusher going 24, and then all of it charging turn one. Yeah, and, and like, you would always in the past rely on goading arrogance to stop, you know, your super fast vor dry or your more crusher. But, like, like you're right. Because goading arrogance only... From Sire, the, the the trait which is noxious. Um, if anyone knows, you can't. You basically can't target the unit that you hit if there's a, um, the 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 artifact holding or the trait holding character within six inches. So everyone puts the tech, all the techless players, they put the Teclean castle up. They take the first turn and they want you to charge them, and then you can unleash hell. And then if you're stupid and you've charged in Archeon or Nagash or some huge threat, then it just literally can't attack because it can't target anything but the goading arrogance hero. So you're right though. You just send in two packs of pigs instead, and they're just going to blow up all the wardens and maybe get into the sentinels as well. Um, yeah, and. It's fast and it's fun and it's quite easy to put on the table, isn't it? The Iron Jaws build. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Um, I mean, well, we, we've got some more tournaments we're covering in a bit, but it's going to come up a lot, I think. Double more Crusher is going to be, if you haven't got a way to deal with... Cap so we're going to see some screens. Are we going to see the age of screens coming back, Rob, because of the more Crushers? Uh, potentially. Potentially. Uh, I think uh, I think any army is actually going to really struggle uh, against that. Truthfully, you've got to ask yourself how you're going to screen out that amount of hurt and damage. And and one of the really interesting things was with the general points uptick anyway in Age of Sigmar, um, even your valuable units like, I don't know, let's say Vindicators or Vindictors or whatever the hell they're called, um, uh, like as your battle line, as your screen, I'm not sure that they'd necessarily survive against a big, big old fat Maw Crusher uh, kicking their teeth in. Um, so, like, there's a huge amount of hurt turn one. And we've got to ask mm. ourselves, what do I do to stop that? What do we do? And I think, um, uh, yeah, and then smashing and bashing is the other combo as well. Thanks, Pro to Tabletop in the chat. It's massive. It's going to be so good. You, w the age of the Uruk is upon us, Owen. And we must ask ourselves, how will the drag dragons kill them? It's just going to be... <laughs> <laughs> with relative ease, Rob. I think with relative ease is the, is the answer on that. I think we've all just got to make the most of the game before these bloody dragons come out. So let's have fun. Yeah. Yes. You're actually going to cheer me up. I was a bit down on the game, but now I've realised it's not going to be as bad as when the dragons arrive. So let's just get hyped. Also, and, also uh, Owen, I don't know if you're interested in painting seven pink horrors, but the more crushes don't kill them. So just an FYI. Yeah, I know, I'm not that guy. I'm not a seven pink guy. <laughs> I love you, Simon, but I'm not Simon Weekly. <laughs> he looked knackered this weekend. That yeah, was a that's... lot of hard work, is all I'm going to say. Uh, right. So, and yeah, and you can do, they don't kill a mega either, Colonel Cabbage. That's a good point. Uh, so, like, dragons, 
more crushes and um, Mega Gargants all just fighting out on the top tables, having a great time. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so that was who was that in first place? Uh, on uh, we had there were three finalists. That was Donny Gurlitz. Congratulations. Um, and then in second place, Brad College schooling people. See what I did there nice. with his bone splitters. Um, yeah, Drakfoot bone splitters, Rob. Well, this is quite nice because this... I'm talking. I'm talking about them on the show tonight. Uh, so uh, just okay. to talk through the list, uh, it was Dragfoot. He had a weird knob, a prophet, a war doc, another war doc. Then he had five savage ball boy maniacs, thirty arrow boys, another thirty arrow boys, and then he had ten savage orcs, ten more savage orcs, and then he had three times two big stabbers, vanguard and warlord as well. So uh, you got to feel like those stabbers are playing really nicely uh, into uh, the monster meta and the and the safe stacking meta anyway, right? Because of the rend and the damage. Yeah, I don't know. I'm with Dave Fraser, though. If it, as there weren't six profits, I'm kind of out, I have to say. I'm, I'm not interested. That's fair. Six work. Six work. No, I'm being silly. Um, six Wurgogs is baller, though. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I listened to a couple of podcasts, and there's a guy on one of the podcasts I listened to, and he swears by his 30 brick of, of arrow boys. Because yep. I think you could put a spell on them or do a dance or something, and they get exploding sixes. It's not as obnoxious as it used to be, but... So did you say that he had two blocks of 30 arrow boys? Yeah, so, and thanks, Pete, for pointing it out. So Michigan GT allowed you to use the, either the old book or the new book for... Oh, so uh, I wish they'd have done with the Sylvaneth book for, like, nine months. I'd have a much better ranking score. <laughs> or two years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to play this one. Is that all right? Can I use the <laughs> old book? Like, new points, but old book. Uh, is that possible? <laughs> uh, so you let you choose either. So I think, uh, so this isn't a current yeah. Dragfoot list. Uh, so maybe not um, like not that it's not relevant, of course, but stabbers have changed as well a lot um, into the new yeah. book. So uh, I mean, it's not as if bone splitters were like incredible top tier filth that's now been taken down a peg or two in the new book. Mm. They were a kind of connoisseur's choice in the past anyway. So um, and I think Drakfoot uh, removes ward saves. Is that right? Uh, yes, removes ward saves, and yeah. those arrow boys are going to work really nicely into Gotrek. Not. As stated, as predicted by the show, I'd like to know that Gotrek's much of an issue competitively. Just like to point that out, uh, as discussed on this show many a time. Yeah. Just, uh, just, just thought I'd bring that up. Doesn't need comping, apparently, does he? No, I mean he just tore through four gargants, didn't he, at the weekend? But we'll come, we'll come to that. He, yeah, he did. But like that's yeah. that's that's your fault for having four gargants. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, another another five O Rob, a name that comes up a lot. I, I I'm not sure all the different armies he plays, but um, Jake Leclerc. I think he's part of the the US Worlds team. Is that right? Yeah, Jake's a yeah, and Jake's a fantastic person and gamer on the tabletop. Like really, really good. Uh, plays out with the Detroit Boys, um, and mm -hmm. yeah, and he's got himself a Futhwan Eidneth Deepkin list. So uh, I just talked to you guys about that. So that is he's got the Achillean King. Um, he's got Lotan, he's got an Eidolon, uh, and the Eidolon has got Flaming Weapons with the Arcane Tome, which is such a baller tip pick. Um, that's really nice. That, yeah, really, really nice. I'm making him very scary. Those, as uh, Chris Welfare was saying on the show, those three tens of Namati Reavers. Namati Reavers, genuinely pretty nice um, in, the, in, yeah. in like where they're pointed and also what they can do utility in-game. They're kind of like Bliss Barb Archers, but a lot better. Uh, and then he's got two Alapexes, uh, one with a net launcher, one with a harpoon. Uh, sorry, and then another Alapex. Oh, no, he's got loads. One, two, 
three, four, five Alapexes, all individual ones, and he's got all harpoons and then one net launcher. And the harpoon profile is fantastic. Like, really good. Mm -hmm. Really good. We saw Forgive use it loads in the TTS era of Age of Sigmar 2. Um, and we saw him wipe out Archeon just from the shooting alone from the Alapexes. They're a great dual purpose unit they shoot and fight well those alapexes and even they were 110 points at 125 now fantastic yeah they're the great and he's got a cheeky leviadon in there as well rob just for good cheeky measure leviadon. that's that, that's that's what they're called i think when you pick one oh you cheeky rogue <laughs> <laughs> i think they're great for battle tactics and stuff though right leviadons just amazing amazing yeah. I would, I, I would, I would argue that, like, because that's the only source of a monster in in uh, Lumineth and uh, not Lumineth, sorry, Eidneth, and maybe one of the reasons we haven't seen we haven't seen them do very well. Like, actually, in fact, Owen, Twitch chat, let's find out. Right, I could do this right now for you guys. Let's go and see how via our faction re review page how Eidneth are doing in the current stats. Uh, now, these aren't all of the results from Age of Sigmar three yet. That will be next week. But Eidneth have got a 52% win rate, uh, as you can see right there. Uh, they played 181 matches. And if we go into our next panel uh, very quickly uh, to talk about this. And if you listen to the podcast, you have to just uh, believe. Um, the most chosen sub-faction is Futhwan, uh, generally. Mm. Uh, you have a pretty high chance of doing very, very well um, with uh, Eidneth Deepkin. Uh, as you can see, they've uh, they've won two. They've got two. two they've gone two and three, thirty percent of the time. Three and two, thirty-eight percent of the time, and then uh, four plus win, four one, sixteen percent of the time. They haven't five would yet. I don't think anywhere in the world. Uh, but they're generally pretty. They're doing okay. They're in that midfield, so very much dropped down from where they were previously. And it's probably arguable that some of the better performing factions are capping them a little bit and pushing them down. Because they probably lose into the Gargants, um, and they probably lose into uh, oh, what Zinch? Maybe no, I don't think so. I'm not sure what they're losing to, uh, but something because they're not right at the top. You got any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean they did take a bit of a kicking in terms of like you don't you can't spam Volturnus's command ability anymore. So the the lowly Achillean king is getting his time to shine. Um, Oh, it's okay. I found out. I found out who they do. Uh, they do badly into uh, Sons of Behemoth. Uh, they've only got forty-two percent win rate into those. Uh, they struggle a lot into Slaves to Darkness. Um, they've only got a seventeen percent win rate. I didn't know I could do that. That's great. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> and Luminous Realm Lords. I mean, uh, they're doing okay into those, uh, which surprised me. Surprised me. I'm glad. I'm just laughing at Dave Fraser in the chat. We were. Um... We're going to return to a bit of friend cast now. We don't need to deal with any of those hard stats. I'll, I'll that stop boy. that. Apologies. Yeah. Um, Bloody hell, Rob. What's wrong with you? You had a little wobble there. <laughs> Put that thing that you've been working on for months away, all those that interesting you know, actual data, and get back to the AOS friend centre. Shout, shout out to Rob Ziggy and the crew um, uh, for doing that. Uh, but there we go. Um, uh, <laughs> um, my thoughts on Eidneth. Uh, I mean, it's nice that they, you're not just seeing... The same units spammed all the time. Um, I mean, when would you have seen 30 Reavers with Lotan and an Achillean King in, um, you know, in AOS 2? Um, so, yeah. I think the fact that the Eels are only four wounds um, means that they don't get the extra, you know, they don't count as two on objectives. And they are quite flimsy. Um, but, yeah, 
How many wounds has a shark got? Is it eight wounds on a shark? Oh, I'd love to use the app to find yes. out, but uh, let's say yes. Is it not ten? No, I think it's eight wounds on a shark. Yeah. And um, they don't bracket. They've got a nice big base. You can block things up. Um, yeah, thanks to the chat there, eight. Um, yeah, uh, it's cool. I mean, IDK aficionados will probably be able to pick apart that a bit more, but it's got quite a lot of nice... Quite a lot of shooting there because Leviadon's got a good shooting attack as well, right? Yeah. There's quite a lot of range. There's a lot. There's a in. lot more shooting in there than you would think, basically. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, like, and I think the ability to even just to clear screens before a charge is actually quite nice because the fact that the whole army also flies really does, uh, ignoring the Reavers and the Thralls um, and Lotan, obviously. If only he flew, then we take him. Um, then he'd be in the lists. Uh. I love I love Lotan as the general because like people are gonna you know that's quite a good flex. Like they're definitely gonna not get Warlord because they don't really know what that model is. They probably think it's a bit of the scenery or something. <laughs> they've never ever seen it on the board before. Lotan, how dare you! Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you to Pedro Fantastico for subscribing. Uh, Stormtrooper models will be right, and also thank you to MJ Pegasus for donating twenty pounds to the show. That's super nice of you, MJ Pegasus. I'd like you to know that's going directly on more stats, directly on more stats. Yes. Um, so that, so Definitely. that I think that's Michigan. We've done Michigan, the top three anyway. Yeah, we've done the five and O's, and then there were just to give people a, 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 a sort of an overview of the four ones. So the only these players only dropped a game through the course of the of the five rounds. So I'll just rattle these off if you want, Rob, and then you can do some talking because I feel I'm not really. You're doing great. Can we all just get some love for Owen in the chat, who always feels like he's not doing great, but no. we all love having him here. So thank you. Um. So we've got we've got um, another Deepkin army actually went um, four one. So that's John Anderson with um, oh I think I I know John. I think he's played in some of my TTS events. Very good player um, and a Deepkin um, player of, of note. Um, yeah, so he went four one with uh, Fuethan and then Roger Barker with Big War. Jeremy Tucker, I think that's our first ever Cruel Boys four one. It is there, Cobra Kai the... never die, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy's fantastic. Love him. And that was an unsurprising big yellers, Balti boy army. Um, Jack Coward with hosts of the Everchosen, Six Circle. Evan Gannon with Zeech uh, Eternal Configuration. Another Zeech list, this time Host Arcanum by Cameron Swanson. Um, and then uh, Joanne Noah Singh. He's a great player, a by great the way, player. Rob. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of him. Um, another Iron Jaws. I think he went four and zero. He only lost in his last round, and that was with a Blood Tooth list. Um, Emma Mangles with um, no, that's no, uh, yeah, Emma Mangles with a Lumineth Realm Lords Helon list, and then Chuck Giardina with Sons Breaker Tribe. Kyle Blasky with an OBR Petrofex. No, you love that um, list, and yeah, good lad, Kyle. Well done. And then Palmer Middlecalf with um, Stormcast, Celestial Warbringers. So that's all the four ones wrapped up there for you, Robin. Uh, love that, love that. And, and again, a lovely mix, right? Like a lovely mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a real diversity across. I'm not, you know, you're seeing a lot more destruction coming through, um, which is nice. Good for that, I agree. Eh? I, I would also say that one of the things, not Sleeper, but we don't talk about it enough. I've tried a lot. Uh, recently, they went 5-0 at 
face hammer, but they also early into Age of Sigma 3 over in Australia when people could play. Uh, definitely some early adopters that we saw quite a few. So uh, pre the face hammer result, we had uh, Lone Star Open, and I think we also had um, another event in Australia. I'm sorry if I forget which one. It might be the Toowoomba event. Uh, I'm not sure. Big shout out mm -hmm. to my Toowoomba homies. Um, uh, they had a uh, host the ever chosen six circle, and again going four one Jack Carwood. Um, yes, Archeon's phenomenal, but that extra damage uh, in six circle, I think, is 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 pretty telling going into a new Iron Jaws meta. You know, those big heavily mm. cavalry that we saw coming out of the um, uh, the the Varangard are going to be very similar, I think, to Gorgrunters. Uh, and I think you're going to see more lists like that with big one hits. Uh, and I think Six Circle is really good, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially as, you know, you get that damage on the charge. And then if you use your second activation, you still get that you still get that extra damage pushing through. So you can really blow some stuff up. But yeah, you're, you're right. That's an interesting um, comparison. I hadn't ever really thought about pigs to Baron Guard. But Gorgon just got cheaper, right? Uh, Gorgorin did get cheaper and like and arguably better they got plus one to wound as well uh, they also do the, their mortals instead of being fours is threes uh, their war scrolls really really good the only thing that I argue would hit, uh, impact them is the fact that they don't have two inch reach on any of their uh, many weapons so the six so mm -hmm. when you go from three to six you have a coherency issue and you also have kind of like a maximum like ability to hit but there is a way to attack with everything with all six at once uh, but you have to do a very weird formation you might buy a movement tray that just does it it kind of looks like a, a mighty ducks wedge like a bretonian lance of old uh, a ham a okay. ham fist uh, maybe is what we could call nice. it I'm into, I'm into yeah it. yeah ham wedge with additional piccalilli sauce yeah, nice oh. okay another 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 tangent. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I don't really know what Piccalilli is. It's like a yellow sort of. It's a it's a it's a condiment, very nice in a sandwich with ham, maybe with some cheese. Okay. It's got like chunks of something in it, which is kind of like cauliflower, maybe I want to say. It's almost got a slightly um, exotic vibe to it. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Do you mean do you mean the boiled kind potatoes of, I eat aren't very exotic? Just the boiled potatoes and the cauliflower that I eat every day isn't that exotic. You want to pick a lily that shit up, mate? You'll have a wild time. <laughs> you'll, you'll increase the. You'll be on the route to Flavor Town in no time at all. Um, <laughs> Apparently, in the chat, I'm kind of disappointed. It's a jam that Rob doesn't know. Uh, is this when I lie to you? It could be. Um, and also shout out to uh, Swaggy Shadow Sword in the chat who went 17 at the Michigan GT. Um, and listen, if uh, if uh, Jeremy was there, um, uh, like at the event, and also uh, Jeff, I think Jeff might have been running the event. Jeff's wonderful. Um, then I'm sure it would have been phenomenal. Owen, we've only done one. We really need to fucking get get a grip, kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to shout out one person, which is Leo Crusher. That I'm not going to call it Piccadilly anymore. I'm just going to call it White Man Chutney. <laughs> I don't think you want to say, "Hey, drop some of my White Man Chutney," because I still think that doesn't sound right. But no. uh, hey, no, Matthew, what up? Uh, right, okay. Mancunian Carnage, you're going to take us through this one, right? Uh, because this is one of the other ones that use win-loss draw as opposed to a 20-0. Uh, 
Yes, and the, the second largest event of the weekend, just a few less. It had 74 players. Um, so this was in Stockport uh, Element, um, in just outside of Manchester. Um, so very Seraphon heavy on the meta here. We had 12 Seraphon armies, Rob. And I think it does throw up something we'll cover in a second, which is, I don't think we've seen a many Seraphon 5-0s, have we, Rob? I think they could be one of those quintessential 4-1 armies. But we'll, we'll come back to that. So 12 Seraphon, 8 Stormcast. So people love getting their, um, I would say people love getting their old toys out, but I think it's mainly new toys that they bought. Um, so yeah, there were 8 Stormcast, 7 Iron Jaws, another 6 Soul Blight, 5 Ossiarch Bone Reapers, and 4 Lumineth armies. Um, so yeah, pretty uh, a pretty strong field um, with its proximity to Liverpool. You get the Just Play guys going there. Um, you know, there's a, a, a big local community. Um, so, yeah, lots of very recognisable UK players there. Um, so a pretty a pretty shark tanky top top 10. Um, but coming in with a very unique Stormcast army, one of the only two five and O's, um, Tom Maudsley, who is obviously part of the England um, setup. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he had a Stormcast list, Rob. Have you seen this? So I've I, I, I've tried to see it, but I'm showing for visual evidence for everyone at home uh, how the list was submitted on TTO. Um, uh, Tom uh, has maybe had a broken keyboard. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, but, like, uh, I just decided not to read the list when I saw it. I was like, no, I'm not reading it. Like, I don't know if you've seen how it's formatted on TTO. But really... He's brilliant at War- yeah, he's brilliant at Warhammer, but that list submission is is not something to be heralded, is it? It's I probably think a... I'd prefer a picture. Really? Yeah. That's, that's big claim. I think I know what the list is, and I think a lot of people will have seen it anyway, but he's got five of the new Bow Boys, right? Yeah. Five of the new Knight Judicators. Um which are pretty scary. Um two shots apiece, twos and threes. Or threes and twos, rend three, three damage. And then once per game, they do that big blow-up aura thing. Um, and then there's also a prime in there and a load of chaff, um, like sort of, you know, golden golden liberator chaff. Um, it's kind of like one of those scalpel lists, Rob. I know it would play very differently, but um, a bit like the foxes. Yep. You know, you've got these small amount of very high-quality shots, um, and then a, then a small army, but it's not as if he had like 30 sentinels to back it up or anything. So, and he beat uh, a, a very, you know, a very competent um, Legion of the First Prince list in the round five. Um, so, you know, it, it, it takes out the synergy though, doesn't it? It's like a, you can pick out all the, all the, all the heroes. I just don't know. I just, yeah, he must've played out of his skin, right? Cause it's a pretty, pretty, pretty impressive five zero with that. So one of the things that's in there actually was really interesting is Celestant Prime, right? We saw that actually in Andy Hughes' list who took out Bobo at the weekend. Uh, and we saw Andy, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so we saw Andy just uh, use the Celestant Prime actually as a mortal, mortal wound generating kind of like 
um, uh, you pinpoint a unit on the ground, a point in the ground, sorry, and everything inside of it takes AOE damage. Um, and you just kind of used it as like a, a mortar, basically, a mortal wound mortar over the course of the weekend. And that m probably would have very much helped as well. Uh, there's also an allied in Hurricane uh, uh, Spirit of the Wind, which is kind of like a shackles, but better, because you still, on its war scroll, get to do the retreat and charge. So there would have been some nice uh, move blocking in addition. Um, to that. So, uh, yes, yeah, so you can take out all the synergy, do all the shooting, as you discussed, and also has got the ability to do that. Um, additional chip damage from the Celestine Prime, who's also pretty nice in a fight, and the Hurricane Spirit of the Wind uh, as the ally um, is also going to be good uh, for adding to that chip damage and also move blocking. So, yeah, like, uh, a lot of options there, but specifically, I think, very likely to achieve battle tactics um, first, and then the primary maybe would have been a, a following on consideration. I'm not, I'm not certain, uh, but you wouldn't have many characters after turn two left against this list, right? No, no, and you're right. Like killer battle line, you know, he's got multiple ways of just picking off, you know, that screen. And um, but you're right. I think it might struggle on the primary because it's not many bodies whatsoever. Um, I'd like to go back maybe and have a look at all the lists that he played against, but he he. He obviously would have been thinking that it can beat Sons of Bayonet because they're a very popular army. But, I mean, if even if he hits some wounds with everything, it's not a huge amount of damage, is it? No, uh, no, no. but like, I'm not necessarily certain you have to do a huge amount of damage. Apart from if you go into Gargans. There aren't many people running DPS checks lists. Ultimately, mm. we're generally tending to see a fairly elite meta like Varangard would be a good example. Eels even are a good example, although you don't tend to see them loads. In fact, actually, is it time to press the stats button one more time? I've done it. I've done it. And let's go and look at this well, just for a quick moment. Uh, and let's look at participants. Ste Steady on, I know. Sons of Behemoth, most popular army. Uh, Soulblight Gravelords and Seraphon. Seraphon generally not running big skink clouds anymore, and instead Salamanders... Uh, even Bastilladons play quite nicely into those, not that he did. Lumineth Realm Lords have got some pretty elite units as well, um, either the Foxes or the Wardens. Uh, take those out, uh, and that's quite nice. Uh, Soulblight Grave Lords are up there as well, and normally we're seeing a Vengori Lord, uh, Nagash as well. We're seeing, um, we tend to see that a lot. We d th there are a few, there aren't many zombie horde lists that I've seen do well or play much. Like, and also the Radicar list with Belladama, which would be sweet, but that would just die, which would suck to all the shooting. So, like, it's, it's playing quite nicely into what the meta is, I would argue, mm -hmm. other than Gargans. Not sure what it does against Gargans. Maybe it just move blocks it. Not sure. Yeah, you're right. Like, those Knight Judicators, they do get two Griffhounds free with each one, don't they? So... He's actually got lots of like little MSU bits and bobs to just block up the board, and then he's going to be able to unleash hell. And then prime time, yeah, interesting. A very interesting take, though, right? I mean, I agree. And also, Tom's a fantastic gamer. Does really well uh, constantly at loads of different events. Uh, can't argue yep. with his uh, his ability to perform. Uh, so excellent work there, Tom. So he went five zero, and we also got another five zero. Yes, yes, and another gamer who always does really well um, is James Tinsdale. So one of the just play guys, mm -hmm. um, and he took a Nagash list. Um, one of his clubmates as well, who went four one, we'll cover in a minute. He took exactly the same list, so Ooh, it's not the kind of situation. I love that. Yeah, uh, so it's not the Manfred 
and Ben-Gurion Lord list that you often see. It's kind of a hybrid between that and talking about what, what Tom has run in recent events. Tom was running like Vordry and loads of Blood Knights. Like five, I think you saw Christian Moore at the weekend with a similar... Actually, yeah, it's the same list as what Christian ran at the weekend, pretty yep. much. So James took Nagash, um, a White King on Skeletal Steed, and I believe it's four by five Blood Knights and then 20 Zombies. Um, and yeah... Um, obviously you watch Christian play that it's pretty there there were a lot of wounds to get through those blood knights right I've underestimated them there were three at base I believe Um, three fast they dominate the board yeah very very competent like and they do some good damage on the charge and especially in Castelli um, they're Mm. they're very very good I'm just trying to get out the legion Um, I'm just trying to get the, the stats for these guys actually uh, because I think one of the interesting things to talk about is which the most popular faction is. Uh, so sub-faction, and it's far and away Castelli. So 151 yeah. uh, times we've seen Castelli be the sub-faction of choice versus Legion of Night be 80. So it's it's almost the most popular by twi- like by like 100%. Or <laughs> That's not maths. Hey, YouTube thug who's about to complain about me not <laughs> saying that right. <laughs> Fuck somebody you. Somebody yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, That's not what that means! time <laughs> uh, but they've got a they've got a flat win rate of 50 percent like they've got a fat flat win rate of 50 percent and the castelli dynasty um is actually uh sat at 50 percent with legion knight the second most cho- chosen uh actually mm. um one of the worst performers with vicross my favorite the worst performer uh, of all 40 percent um third most popular sub faction chosen uh worst mm. performing sub faction by 10 percent uh, versus the top one, which is Castelli. So I think it seems to be the most chosen one uh, with that Blood Knights. And I did say when we did the review of Soblights, you're either going to go for the high armor save value of the Castelli builds and the Blood Knights and your Vengori Lords and whatever, or 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 we're going to go for these Hordes. And I think actually the uh, the build meta, this the opportunity to just just build. It's not many models, right? Like if we look at the list, like it's it's not tons. No, What's he no. got? He's got. Um, uh, it's literally the White King on Skeletal Steed give, makes the Blood Knights battle line. Um, and then, yeah, it's Nagash, a White King, 4x5, and then um, uh, 20 Dark Walker Zombies. Exactly. Like, it's not a lot of models to paint up. Like, it's quite nice. Um, and, mm. like, and Nagash is just... You've been using Nagash. Phenomenal, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine what it'd be like when with that law the spell law is really good um i think as a set as a single model he's better in obr but with the supporting cast he's he's better in in soul black grave lords but yeah spamming i mean it's pretty smooth brain but spamming eight arcane bolts is pretty horrible um you know you can charge blow something up on the charge and then pile into something more important and then you know um debuff the hell out of your opponent's army even stuff like um you don't see it a huge amount but um eight arcane bolts at 12 inch range just to go five over there to kill that little hero that gets me warlord two over there to clear the screen so that other unit can pile in there and i'll keep a few in the bank i mean my favorite nagash trick rob is into marathi Mm. so you charge little marathi on your turn 
and you do three damage and you keep an arcane bolt or two back and then as soon as your opponent gets their turn at the start of the hero phase you release more arcane bolts and then you do another three damage to marathi and sometimes that can just kill her nice so there's all because the bolts last till your next hero phase there's so many little techie opportunities i think also what's um, really nice is you've cast them previously so it's not like oh i hope i can do seven arcane bolts and with the mm. gash most likely but like you know you have four you know you have five yeah so like does that does that model have a ward safe? No, cool. Five mortal wounds directly at, like you said, 12 inches. Like, it's a guarantee. And like we've talked about before, the guarantee makes your list so much stronger, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just, I've got some notes about the game overall that I was writing up earlier, and it's just like efficiency and reliability. And outside of a miscast, which comes up, Nagash is a, is a battle tactic he, he 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 eats those battle tactics up, especially in the late game. You know, clearing stuff off. You saw in my game against Adam um, at the at Blood Tide. He can just, you know, just wind up. So anyway, yeah. So and James's list will do very much the same. You know, you've got Nagash left in the late game, coming to party, clearing up. Um, so yeah, that was the two five and O's. Um, so James and Tom, both part of the England setup. Um, and then in the rest of the four ones, another two players who have historically been in the England team. Or, James is also or, a great player, right? Like he's had he's had he's oh, had, yeah. he's had, yeah, he's yeah, had yeah. excellent results all across uh, all of Age of Sigmar two, uh, which I think is when he predominantly came to like uh, the forefront and has, has just continued to perform well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is still the current um, sort of Warhammer World champion. Um, he won that final two years ago, so. Um, oh yeah, and he picked me to best OBR at, at, at Face Hammer, so he he moves around armies and always does well. So, you know what they say, Rob: the cream always rises to the top, right? Regardless of of, of the list. Um, so yeah, another two players in and around the England scene. So Richie McCalley, uh dropping his Lumineth and taking Iron Sun's Iron Jaws to a four-one, um, and then Russ from Face Hammer, Russ Veal again with an Iron Jaws Iron Sun's list going four-one. Um, outside of that, we had a couple of the Bucks guys did really well. Seraphon, so Darren Styles with another four-one. I think he follows up. He did four-one. His Draco Tail summoning engine list, Croak and um, Croak and a Slan and a minimum battle line and some Sallies. Um, and then Mike Stewart from Bucks with a Thunder Lizard. And there are actually another two Thunder Lizard lists in Andy Bryan and Paul Bowden who went four-one. Um, and then rounding it out, Tom Blacksall, one of the Dragon Slayers. I think he played at the Super Series. He got a Such good a nice guy. Such a nice yeah, guy. lovely guy. And he's got a gorgeous army. I think it's like Eidneth Deepkin mixed with Ogres. Um, and he, he, he got a 4-1 with Boulderhead Ogres. Kieran um, Alexander from the Angel team. He did well at Blood Tithe and he got a 4-1. He was playing on Table 5, actually. He lost Tom with Legion of the First Prince. Um an OBR, Petrifex Nagash, James Harrison, he went 4-1. I think that might be the best list, actually, what he ran, which is Nagash and Arkan together with 40 Mortec, Portal and Burning Head. Might see me play that one in the future, actually. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's solid. 11 Arcane Bolts is better than 8, though, right, Rob? To take uh, down a Gunken. Agreed. That, that works nicely. Um, and then, as I mentioned, Joe Grzynski, um with um, Nagash, Castellai, Soulblight, and then J.P. Stevens 
never really see him do worse than a than a four one, maybe a three two every now and again. But again, with that Helon Nation Lumineth Triple Fox build, he he got a four one there as well. So um, yeah, lots of recognisable names on the UK scene. They're all doing well. Well, and one um, who isn't Kieran, and I think it's worth talking about, uh, like uh, Kieran on the UK scene, playing a lot, but most importantly, uh, doing really well with Legion of the First Prince. Actually, uh, not to not to do it again, but I'm doing it to go to the stats. Um, oh, Legion of the what are you doing to us? I know, but Legion of the First Prince have a fifty-eight percent win rate. Owen, they're one of the most successful factions, right? Which is it really, really surprise me. Doesn't surprise me either. But one of the really interesting things is the conversion rate, Owen. Yeah, because actually, if we look at the meta rates, um, uh, let me just go and look at the meta representation. Legion of the First, Legion of Chaos Ascendant, which is all Legion of the First Prince now at this point, is is like well like it's the not very popular it's 1.7 percent of the meta it's a bit of a daughters of cain in aos 2 situation where it's super unpopular or it's not used a lot um because it's an amalgamation of a bunch of different armies right normally you see kairos normally you see bellacore uh normally you see a corn demon prince like it's a bunch of stuff stuck together sometimes sometimes it's plague bearers sometimes it's demonettes sometimes it's pink horrors it's a bunch of different stuff, but it's not played a lot, but it's got one of the biggest win rates, which is kind of one of those interesting conversations. It's kind of, if you've been playing Age of Sigmar a lot, you know about all these kind of, it's, it's almost like, oh, where the fuck even is that book? It's like, it's not a book. You can't just go and buy it. It's not just a battle tome. So it's a real gamer's choice army, Kieran playing it, uh, and being less than 2% of the meta, but being uh, a 58% win rate, being one of the most successful armies is actually a really interesting bit of information, I think. I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great in teams. Or often got Bellacor in there being a bit of a bit of a prick. Um so yeah. Um I really like it. And I like the you always go for the control, like what you've described. So Pinks, Demon Prince, Kairos, Bellacor. And then the flavor town element of it is where you get your damage from. Some people go boom thurster, but I really like um, contorted epitome with the fourfold blade. So nine attacks, five do D three mortal wounds. Um, she's fun. She's fast, or it. I'm not sure if it's a she. I always think of it as a she. Um, but yeah, the, the the epitome in there. And you're right. It is. A, it does feel like a. But it's super strong, right? I mean, let's have 10 demonettes or 10 bloodletters or something at the end of, of, of the hero phase or five pinks. Sorry, at the end of the movement phase on, on a 10 on 3d6. Yeah, it's really it's, good. It's really yeah. good. Like, and, and again, it's got like a double shutdown, right? It's got Kairos. Um, it's also got like a fight on death uh, spell, which is really good. Uh, like mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of tools in Legion of the First Prince, uh, a lot of tools. And I think it's interesting. Um, and I think, uh, as Mandolis has said, you need to take into account that only seasoned players or players with probably more game knowledge will take, will take this army, artificially increasing the win rate. It's almost as if it's kind of like the choice of the pros, is what I'm going to say. And Kieran, going 4-1 with it, should be really proud of himself. Excellent work, Kieran. Uh, a round of applause to you, uh, good sir uh, and fine man. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, pretty exciting. So that was Mancunian Carnage this weekend? It was Mancunian Carnage Resurgence. Resurgence. Um, yes. Okay. So that was that. Um, do you want to take us away to the wonderful land of uh, Sweden? Uh, or... Well, I'll go to Bobo first. 
uh, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, because I think that that's one of those uh, really interesting. I'm juggling between like four different screens at the moment. So let me just make sure I've got this right. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it, Bobo uh, was organized uh, thusly. Uh, you wrote your list, you brought it on the day, uh, and you could just write it down on a piece of paper, leading to uh, what I can describe as some of the sweetest uh list um inputs that i've ever had um and i was just being given bits of handwritten uh like lists which i loved and or hated um so i don't have some of those lists available and some of it will be off the top of my head uh but taking out the event but no and most importantly as a headline no one went five and oh right so no one went five and oh at the event but this was an event where they were using the differential as the primary which is pretty interesting. So Andy Hughes, who came first, congratulations, uh, with his Thunder Lizard, not, not his Thunder Lizard list, sorry, his Dracothian's Tail uh, Lizard's list, uh, got 81 victory points against Benjamin Sava with his Munificent Wanderer's Nurgle list, uh, who only got 80, as well as Dan Arnold. What a legend. Love Dan Arnold. The Mormon himself. Yeah. Uh, he, he got Deepkin. His Deepkin um, also got an 80, so it was joint second as well. Uh, but they... One point between first uh, and second and third, who were basically joint second. And I think that's kind of quite interesting, that granularity, because actually as some of those games started to play out, um, and it was thanks to a really big win against Dan Bradshaw in seventh place on the final battle plan, uh, which probably the differential scoring system doesn't really work for, uh, that uh, Dan Arnold was able to get so high. Um, so Ben was running Munificent Wanderers and he was running uh, a list that we saw play at Blood Tithe. And if you go and search for his list on Blood Tithe, you'll be able to find it there. Andy's list was uh, five Salamanders, two twos, one one, uh, the Celestant Prime and a Bastilodon in Draco's tail uh, with some skinks. And then he had the Starseer, the Slan. But the, the big conversation was probably the introduction of the... Um, uh, the Celestine Prime, very much like you saw in Tom Morsley's list, actually, mm. in the like, and he was always down from turn one and just doing consistent mortal wound output. And when you double that up with the Realm Shaper's ability to explode pieces of terrain and rain of stars from a slan, you basically got three almost global mortal wound bomb smells, uh, what abilities every turn, which is pretty, mm. pretty fantastic for taking out support characters, which actually seems to be the conversation of Age of Sigmar 3. So something I wanted to kind of get to towards the end, that shoot the heroes being a meme has become the game. Like, Luminous Realm Lords, they shoot all your characters. Seraphon, they raid stars on all your characters. Even the Gargans throw rocks at all your little support characters. And I think that's really, like, just like the gash. Well, Arcane I've Bomb. Got it's completely suboptimal, but I've got three more tech crawlers right here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Killing your characters. It's become like a quite funny story uh, where something we were talking about years ago as a, as a meme uh, might actually be kind of the inherently seen thing that's happening. Uh, and then uh, Dan Arnold was running uh, Gotrek um, in Futhuan, I'm pretty certain, uh, with a bunch of eels. He also had a turtle. Um, and, and Gotrek doing some really solid work from there. Simon Weekly in fourth. Um, so all of these went 4-1. Disciples of Zinch, and that was the 70 horror list. Uh, and we tried, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I don't think much needs to be said. He had uh, 30, 20, two tens of pink horrors in hosted blisters, so you can't run away from them. He had a lot of change with plus one to his save rolls, uh, thanks to either Command Trait or Artifact, and re-roll casts, and then the bridge. Couldn't be le leaner. The guy worked so hard this weekend rolling dice. Like, 
phenomenal. Uh, very funny, yeah. uh, very funny point where I saw uh, Andy just refusing to help him roll dice. He's like, "You brought the list, mate. You roll the dice," uh, <laughs> and then proceeded to help him. And then proceeded to help him. Um, but uh, a great result there. Chris Myhill with his Cities of Sigma. Um, and then Matt Goldsworth with his Lumineth again, and Dad Bradshaw in seventh with his Giants. And I don't know if that's where it ended. I think Adam Mumford with Daughters of Cain went 4-1 as well. So Adam Mumford from the uh, coverage with me. Uh, although one of those games against Christian Moore, I think he should have forfeited the points ultimately uh, because uh, he had to do a lot of tequila shots and Christian babysat him through this game. But Christian basically tabled himself with... Adam's army while Adam was too drunk. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure it's very pro. I think, yeah, I think some tequila 20 owed Adam's liver for round two. <laughs> yeah. That's the story there. Uh, and also, a big shout out to Matt Davis and Matt Mallow with his Lumineth list in 11th, uh, who I think he went three wins, one draw, one loss, uh, but it was with a, just a terrible Lumineth list. He had Stone Guard, he had uh, Avalonor, it was awful. Um, and we saw him get turn one tabled basically by. It was so rude. He got commissioned. He got that commission painted by one of the UK's top painters. And it won an award for being <laughs> painted like... beautifully. And he should be congratulated on pushing a terrible list to three one and one. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it shouldn't do that well. That He's done great. really well. Well done. There you go. He won four four one. Fine. Fine. He went four one with a terrible list, which is even better. That's not rude. That's like. <laughs> That's not rude, is it? That's actually a compliment. It's not my fault the list is terrible. Um, it's a bit like saying you look great today because you looked shit yesterday. <laughs> no, it's not. It's like a bit no, of a it's, not. it's like saying you look great today despite the clothes you're wearing. That's what it's like saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, well, that's another really good very it looked like on those top tables it's like even though it wasn't a huge field it looked like a kind of bit of an invitational kind of vibe almost you know where you had lots and lots of top players with top lists just slugging it out against each other over five rounds so i can understand why adam decided to get you know paralytic on the saturday it would have been i would have might have forced me to drink having all those lists knocking around yeah uh, but Bobo was excellent. And I think one of the interesting things is, again, that scoring system. That's the thing to kind of take away from from this at the weekend. Because actually, when you look at how close that is, that close that is, you start to have some real conversations about, like, oh, what do we think is going on here and there? Um, so I really like that. So that was Bobo. Um, and then uh, not going 4-0. So thankfully, no one went 5-0 because Andy Hughes is unable to go 5-0. So that's how he was able to win the event. Uh, getting his 4-1, because he's the king of the 4-1s. Uh, and thankfully, uh, no one else going 5-0 didn't pick him to the top, which is quite fun. Uh, <laughs> right, so then, finally, finally is... Uh, where is it? Ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, it's Fantasia Fanatic. So that's 40 players, and this was Umir, uh, in the east coast of Gulfbotna in Sweden, uh, which doesn't let people like me in. Um, as you said, uh, Owen, Ogre's the most popular army, Soblight and Force, so Owen did this. Uh, no one went 5-0, and again, they used uh, the scoring system, and I'm going to try and get this on the screen for you guys uh, very quickly, uh, so you can see the scoring system here. Uh, so give me a second, so you guys can look at this. Uh, and I'll include all these in the show notes. So actually, 
Oh god, so much. There's so much data doing this. It's so much. So no one went. No one went five zero, right? Uh, oh no, someone did go five zero. Sorry. No, no, someone went four point five. Sorry. So yeah, four wins. That was Joel Kornfeld. So four wins, one draw. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, Joel Cornfield uh, with his Soul Blight list. Uh, when uh, four and a half. But if you actually look, this is what's really interesting. So in the, because of the scoring system, which you guys can see on the screen, so I'll read it out for you guys. Alex Herbeck with his, uh, Herbeck, sorry, with his Stormcast Eternals came first. Now, he lost his first game, but he only lost his first game as an 11-9. So it was a very, very close loss. And then game two, 20-0. Game three, 20-0. Game four, 19-1. And then game five, 14-6. So that's how he ended up getting 82 points, just pipping out uh, Percy Galavus, who also had Stormcast Eternals. So a double Stormcast, which taking into account Tom's list as well. So a lot of Stormcast mm. doing very well very early, right? Um, and he uh, won his first game 17-3, and then he lost his second game 11-9. Um, and then he 20-0'd, 19-1'd, and 15-5'd. And I think that's the really interesting conversation looking at the brackets, is that... Um, uh, is that both losses, if you count them as losses, um, were very, very close where everything was a dominant win versus uh, where is it Joel? Is it Joel? Yeah, Joel. So Joel won 11-9 game one, 12-8 game two, 19-1. Uh, oh, no, it's not, it's not Joel, is it? Sorry, no, it is Joel, sorry. Joel, Joel sorry, he won 11-9, 13-7, 18-2, 11-9, and then a, a draw. Um, so if you think about it, like three of his games were close to, if not effectively draws on the points. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, Joel got four wins and one draw, which is better than four wins and a loss in kind of an older scoring system. But if you look at them, three of those five games were actually super close with uh, Alex, who ended up coming first, with three of his games being very dominant. And, and mm. I guess, how do, we, how, do we, how do we score that? How do we discuss that? Like, what do we think about that? Because Alex basically performed better in three out of five games. Uh, or, and performed better is scored more is the better way of describing it. Uh, with Joel actually doing, like, having closer and tighter games. What do you think? I mean, it's interesting. In chat, chat, what do you think on that sort of scoring system? I think it's really difficult because when you're talking through it then, you know, you, you don't choose your matchups. And whilst you're always going to be playing against somebody who's won their last game or has a similar record to you, um, you know, you might just get a really, you know, really favourable draw. And that's where your big 20-0 comes from. Whereas, um, you know, Joel, who got his five wins, or sorry, four wins and a draw, um, you know, he could have been scrapping in really difficult matchups and just just pipping, and that's more. You you would you would you would give that person more props based on on that than than the next guy who had a really simple matchup and just shot his opponent off, and that's where his twenty zero came from. So, I think that maybe settling on this being the differential in singles. Rather than being as 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 as, as clear cut as this um, might might be the way to go in the future. I don't know. I'm sure Joel feels probably a bit cheesed off that he probably he had the best overall record in terms of wins and losses, but still, you know, and then came in 
uh, is it seventh? Seventh. Oh, sixth. Seventh, yeah. Mm. Um, but we're at the start of an edition, Robin. We're trying things, aren't we? So, you know. Let's yeah, try I, and I think I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough, and Proto Tabletop is bringing it up right now, is you don't when you lose when it's win loss draw. Listen, I think probably the best system is is win loss draw, and then secondary is differential. I think that's probably the best system. But 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 when you're losing, and I explained it at the beginning of Bobo actually because the TOs had me come up and explain it to the to the audience. I was like, when you lose in a win-loss draw, you just lose. It's basically zero points. You're just like, oh, I've got a zero. Okay, whatever. But in a differential system, actually, three points is three points. You're like, how many did you get? I got three points. You're like, oh, nice. Like, oh, I got eight points. Eight points sounds like a lot. I got eight points in that game. You're like, that's pretty cool. Like, I think that there's something there. I don't think it's probably the right system to use as, as the primary, although we've got more events with it coming up, and I'd be very excited to see how... The, the field feels but for the top end maybe it doesn't help them but the top end is always like a very small percentage of the field actually you really want to ask yourself how does everyone else feel like how mm. does everyone else feel holding a top player or a top faction to like a, a marginal win so they only end up getting let's say even something like a 13-7 like when you get seven points out of a loss you've got to feel pretty great like you did really well to score that many points right mm. um I don't know, like, because it's not the same scoring as we had in Age of Sigmar 2. Age of Sigmar 2 scoring was you win or you lose. Like, oh, you did well on the meta game. You did well on the kind of the strategy of the whole battle plan to make sure you pipped that point in the final turn or you flooded them turn one, made it so they couldn't score any points and you dominated the early game. So there you go. You get the win. Off you go. But we score differently in Age of Sigmar 3. Um, and I think actually for players at the bottom to think that they're always in it, that that big 20-point turnaround is pretty important. Actually, watching it live was really interesting because going on the Sunday, especially at Bobo, which is the one I can talk about with most most uh, experience, watching the players be like, oh, okay, I, I'm playing this game, right? I won, but it was 11 points. was really interesting mm -hmm. because they knew that wasn't enough. They knew that that wasn't a high enough score to push them in towards those top brackets. And... That was actually really interesting because it was it didn't become like it was down to four players or two players by the final round. There was about eight to ten, or maybe like sixteen or so people, maybe twelve people, who all had a shot to get into the top bracket, mm. and that's pretty nice. It's pretty interesting, I thought. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think I really do like your point as well, Rob, about the losers. Because imagine if you're quite new to the game and you start going to tournaments and you, you, you know, everybody does it. Unless you're some savant who's amazing at the game, you're going to lose a lot of games. And there isn't really any way to quantify your progress in a 20-0 system. You're just, okay, I lost. I got zero points. Yeah. Whereas if you go to a tournament and you pick up a couple of points here and there, and then the next tournament you're going 15-5 or 14-6 or 13-7. granular in your own performance. Yeah, you're able to quantify how your improvements, and then also then, you know, you flip that on its head in terms of the, you know, the, you start getting those wins. There is a, a nice way of, of sort of sort of turning that round. Um, yeah, I, I like that 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 side of it in that way. Otherwise, it's just like major loss, another major loss. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, and yeah. I and and again, it's about feelings, right? Like uh, like because ultimately, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable actually uh like as a system 
like I feel out of my depth. So I think it's very brave of both the War in the Heartlands guys, the Fantasia organizers, uh, the Bobo organizers to put that up as a system. Yeah. Now, is it perfect? Do I think it's the right system? Probably at this point, I'm not convinced. But I think it's really worth having a conversation as a community. And I think it's really healthy to kind of walk away from that and be like, how does everyone feel? Because I think that that's good. Like, because we like if we just be like, cool, this is the system uh, that we've got. We end up playing on green boards with no terrain for 10 years in a school hall. Yeah. That's a terrible system. Like our community should be trying to strive and push ourselves forward, right? That's what it should be doing. That's why I think we should nerf gargants. No, I'm joking, but also I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of minor points on Fantasia, if it's all right. Please, Bob. I'd love to um, hear them. I, I, my client keeps calling me, but I don't care. I've got nowhere better to be, so we can ramble on for a little bit longer if you like. Please do. Um, I'd love to. I don't want. You, I know you've probably got things to oh, do. I know. I would like I'm to know. Saying, as long as you've got is as long as I've got today. Sweet. Um, I just thought it might be, you know, with the idea of the green tide over in America, and then you know now we've got Tom doing really well with his Stormcast and and these two um, uh, Stormcast lists. You know, we could be looking more at a, at a golden tide rather than a green tide. Um, and with that in mind, um, when I was looking at the results yesterday, a couple of the guys in the South London Legion chat were like, "Oh, can you put the list in?" Um, and when I posted this list in the chat, which is Per Sigvalius, mm -hmm. who went 4-1 in Sweden, um, they were like, you're going to see this a lot. So I thought it might be might be good for the viewers to to, to see this list as well or to, to hear sure. this list. It's on, so it's, I'll on, put it. it's on the screen. Okay. So we've got um, a Lord Relictor, who's the general, who's the high priest. Um, he has mirror shield and translocation. So that means that the mirror shield is that amazing artifact where he can't be targeted outside of nine inches in the shooting phase. So we're talking about, you know, shoot the heroes. It's like, good luck shooting this fella. Um, and then he can translocate. So you can hero phase teleport on a two plus, which is kind of nice. Um, Hallowed Knight. So Gardas Steel Soul. I played a nice game against Simon the other day with um, with a Gardas list. So I kind of have a bit of an idea of what this does. So he's got the five inch, the, sorry, the twelve inch bubble of a five up ward around him. So a bit like Techless, but you don't need to cast a spell. And then a Lord Arcanum on Toralon. Now I don't know everything that this guy does, mm -hmm. but Matt Goldsborough was very excited about the Toralon. Mm -hmm. Um, he was down at Bad Moon trying to pick one up. So, and he always jumps on the filth. So, if, if he was after a Toralon, then there's something in there with the Toralon. And they're um, cheap. They're cheap. Two eighty-five yeah. points. Like for a double caster, uh, is is yeah. really excellent. And then he's also got the the cycle of the storm. Uh, so it's not super useful, but the the moment in that clutch moment where you uh, you bring a model back or you basically make it so it doesn't die from the cycle of the storm is also very nice. Ah, yeah, here we go. It's Thundergore in the chat. Is obviously a Stormcast fan. He's saying, that's right. Basically, when the Lord on Toralon uh, finishes a move, it gives everything within three inches plus one to hit. So, pretty spicy. And he's a, you know, flying wizard, um, so he can get places. So, Celestial Blades is the spell, which is plus one to wound, I believe. Um, and then three times five Vindicators, three Aether Wings, Four Dracothian Guard Fulminators, 
and six Vanguard Raptors with long strike crossbows. <laughs> um, and he has the Holy Command. <laughs> Fucking hate that. It's so, it's so, it's it's like a full chicken fillet. Uh, like, it's like, they're like, oh, we'll give a once per battle, you can shoot a unit twice command ability. And everyone's like, I reckon I'm going to take six of these guys and I'm going to do this one time. Like, and it's just fucking like, like it's cool. Like, fine, fine. But that's what I mean about like, you, until the new, unless new Stormcast rules come out, you will see that unless the points become too inefficient for the long strikes, you'll just see that just plugged and played into lists. And it's like, I'm going to do that one time off I go. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and the book doesn't allow for much creativity beyond that because it just is that basically. Yeah, um, I think Hallowed Knights looks really strong, um, and I think we're going to see Fulminators for a while until Dragons come out. And even when Dragons come out, we might still see Fulminators, but um, they got a massive uplift. So, um, I mean, it's not many models, is it? 15, 25, 28, it's 31 models. But um, obviously Pear did really well with that, and I think, as I say, from the chats I'm in, they were very, um, very vocal about that. That's the kind of list that you're going to see coming out of that Stormcast book for the next few months. Well, those, um, those Draco Guard as well are phenomenal, right? So that so a unit of four is four sixty. They're two thirty points each. For two thirty for a unit of two, twelve wounds apiece, but on a three up base save and on the charge damage three uh, mm-hmm. from those lances, which is just outrageous. They also got mortal wound shooting as well. Uh, I would say the Formulators are aggressively pointed for what they're able to achieve. They work really well with a Mystic Shield beyond being on a base three up. Uh, Cycle of the Storm really works well until it gets FAQ'd into them. Um, they're very strong, especially when you can just blow stuff up with on that turn one, uh, shoot those Raptors twice as well. So you've got some, uh, you've got some, you've got some real output in the list, and then you've mm-hmm. got like three, five Vindicators stood on objectives, just being Vindicators. Yeah, shielding Gardas, who's just hero slam down onto the ground and giving out a nice fab. Isn't it cool that that nice model's got some cool rules, though, eh, Rob? I think that model is. It's a bit Marvel Crisis Protocol, but I really do like. Regardless, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit Deadpool a bit... heroic landing scene. Yeah, yeah. But hey, whatever. That's okay. Yeah, no, I know. Like, and the Relictor in there as well. And it's nice to see the Toralon actually see some play. We've rarely seen much of it. In fact, probably one of the few people I've ever seen run it would be Chris Myhill, um, like, like ever. Uh, so yeah. uh, it's was nice. he running the weekend? I don't think he was running at the weekend. No, I, I think he was running uh, cities, uh, so it wasn't in there at the at the moment. But it's it's really good. Um, but yeah, like uh, I would expect to see some FAQ because as Th- it's Thundercore is saying in the chat, there's some uh, there's some poor inter not sorry, there are some very strong interpretations of how some of the rules inside the Stormcast book currently work, and it would be nice to get them FAQ'd. If they work that way, that's so good. Big thumbs. But until then, it feels like there's there's some good answers that could come from Games Workshop to see how they work. Yeah, because you might basically have an immortal unit, effectively. Uh, or it can ignore damage to a significant degree, which is quite nice. But let's get that FAQ'd. Because if no, it's true... Be... Huh? Mm, I was just going to say, nothing's allowed to be immortal unless it's Nagash, surely. Hey, you never, had, you never had protection of gash in OBR FAQs, and you know you're gloriously happy about that. Like, everyone just forgot. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> like, by the way, I can move after I teleport. You're like, well, that's weird. It doesn't seem to work that. Don't talk about it. Never talk about it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's talking about my destroyers and all those teleports and moves. It's like, just stop talking now. <laughs> stop 
never talk about everyone in the OBR chat just never spoke, speaks about it. They're like, someone says, by the way, can you teleport? And then someone DMs them. They're like, shut up. Yeah, you can, yeah. but don't say anything. Um, don't say the word. Um, just to finish off Fantasia Fanatic, we haven't quite finished all the four ones. So um, Alexis Herbeck, um, I think this is actually what ended up being the winning list. That was a Stormcast Knights Excelsior list, Rob. Excellent. Um, and then Pear Sigvalius with the Hallowed Knights list we had a look at. Johan Deerlind with a host of the Everchosen. Tora Maya with Daughters of Cain, a Calibron list. And then, as, as we've talked about, Joel with his Soul Blight Verkos dynasty was the uh, four wins and a draw. Congratulations, congratulations um, to all those. A great event that I'm hoping to go to next year, basically. Um, uh, it's going to be really fun. And again, uh, really cool to see them use a different scoring system. Uh, Owen, just before we head out, um, I, I kind of wanted to get some final thoughts from you. And I wondered if you wanted to look at, the, uh, wanted to get an update on the overall stats as, as we have them so far. Yes. Should we rattle off um, upcoming events and then go to that? Sure, please. So upcoming events... Uh, this weekend is the London Open, uh, run by Colonel Cabbage. Um, so that's about 30 to 40 players at the moment. I think there's more tickets if people want to come down to London and play some Warhammer. Mm -hmm. um, so that's this weekend, the 16th, 17th. Then there's a big weekend, 23rd, 24th, Rob. So obviously you're covering War in the Heartlands in Leicester. Um, and this is on the 23rd, 24th. Um, but there's also the General's War GT out in Warsaw in Poland. So that's over Fantastic. 100 players. Um, yep. So obviously I saw Peter had, um, or Piotr had um, tweeted about that. Um, I think there's all, all the lists are online as well. If people wanted to search for those on Tabletop TO, there's some really good lists there. And then there's a couple of events in Canada, lots of Canadian events actually. There's one on Vancouver Island called Kipper's Melee. Yeah, and maybe. then a big one over in Toronto, which is the Red season Harvest GT. for guys. Yeah, the Red Harvest. So jordan and ridge and all those guys plus their associated um associated community i think there are over 50 players already and there's, there's tickets for that and then a final shout out for tts because i know some people are still locked up or they don't have a big community um one of the players that sort of took over from the mantle and has been doing a lot as was trogdor who we watched play seraphon in hammer time um he is got a or he has a tournament called re-release the beast the winter is coming um he's got space for 200 people online rob 200 wow. people yes and he's up to about 50 wow. at the moment. um so i'm just gonna put the link there he specifically says in the description that all players of all sort of levels are welcome um and i think it kicks off mid-december so there's plenty of time to sign up so yeah people want to get some TTS, um, then yeah, I thought it would be good to give Trogdor's event a little bit of hype. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I'm also at an event this weekend on Saturday. It's just a one day here at the TSN Arena, but it's my birthday. So um, uh, thankfully, uh, the lovely intern Matt has said that he'll run the event as I was previously running the event. Uh, and now I'm able to play in a field that includes both me and Nathan Prescott. So maybe one of the hottest tickets available in Age of Sigmar at the moment. Wow. Uh, you might get drawn about against either of us, uh, which is fairly exciting. Um, and I was going to take some Iron Jaws, but the big drama is I'm now super excited about Pink Horrors again. So it's so whether or not I want to put that much effort in at the weekend. That's the real question. 
It's whether your opponents want to put that much effort in. Jesus. They don't have to do much. They just have to stand there. Yeah? They have to watch someone work their hardest rolling 180 dice. and be like, that's three wounds for you. You're like, why? I'm going to see if there's a dice app. But... So are you going to anyway. be singing It's My Party and I'll tag the shit out of your whole arm and give you a Warhammer? It's my birthday and I'll make you have an awful game. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, uh, but that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, right, so uh, just having a quick look at the stats. Again, not all of the stats in at the moment. So we've got the events from the weekend and some more to add in. Uh, we've taken out some aberrant events, so events that had a two-list format or um, they included um, uh, they included some form of comp and lists uh, are events that we will no longer include in the stats. Um, so uh, just just... You know, if you want to do them, they're fine, but they're a bit too aberrant for the stats. Uh, and as the YouTube thug who, who loves stats and hates me is about to say, um, of course, uh, there's a load of granularity that needs to be achieved inside this. But it is interesting. Um, Sons of Behemoth have actually gone up a little bit since last week. Uh, not because of this weekend's results, just as we put more data in. They're on a 60% win rate. Uh, they're the second best performing faction in the game. Uh, and the most popular, which is actually really interesting. Normally, what we would see is the more popular a faction, the more it tends to hit that 50%. The fact that they're hitting 60% would, in my opinion, uh, mean that there seems to be an issue with them as, a, as an army, uh, because more and more people of different skill levels are able to do really well with that. We'll look at that result in a minute. Lumineth Realm Lords are sat on a 63% win rate. They're the, uh, they're the most uh, successful army at the moment. We'll see if that changes. Uh, in third place, joint third place, Daughters of Cain and Disciples of Zinch. I'm not surprised by either of those. Uh, but the kind of the big one is Legion of the Chaos Ascendant at 58% and Slaves to Darkness at 55%. Uh, so both of those two armies doing really well. I imagine many of that is hosted the Everchosen um, Six Circle or generally Archeon lists anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that Archeon is definitely in some of those Disciples of Zinch lists. It's in the Legion of Chaos. No, it's not in Legion of Chaos. Sorry, it's in the Slaves to Darkness list as well. So Archeon, really dominant uh, in two different places in the meta at the moment. Um, uh, and then you've got... So those are maybe all of the problem children in 55% above. Uh, and then it, there's a nice big thick midfield. Flesh Eat Quartz, Fire Slayer, Sylvaneth, Osiarch, Seraphon, uh, Ogre Moor Tribe, Soulblight, Gravelords, uh, Magakin, all in those 50s. Uh, percent area like again not in too bad a place cities and bone splitters uh, and KO 48% a lot of people saying KO terrible but there's been some pretty good players pushing their numbers up and then in the sad part of the world Skaven on 39% Iron Jaws on this is pre the new book 38 Heed Knights on 36 Stormcast again pre the new book 33 and then uh, Beast of Chaos and Gloom Spike Gits in that 30% bracket, which is not good. So, uh, expect, expect to see those Stormcast and Iron Jaws shoot up. Um, I don't know what they're gonna, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be knocking a few armies down, I think. Um, but I think, you know, much like you can see across the whole weekend, right? Well, if you've got an army that you love, and you know it really well, you can score battle tactics and you can make it work and you can get a 4-1. So, um, yeah, I think the, the, the Sons of Behemoth is an interesting one because they seem to have a very low sort of skill yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's super fair to say. Uh, one of the interesting things actually is uh, that if, like, we would have done an old stat where actually um, uh, if you just win two games with Gloomstrike, it's your smashing how well you should do with them. So I think that's fine. 
Um, but uh, using the new stat, the new stat that I like to push around a little bit at the minute. Uh, obviously, we were talking about four ones. We'll go back to that in a minute. Oh, actually, we'll do that first. That actually makes the most sense. Uh, so in the 5-0 bracket, so uh, doing really well. Zinch is at the top. Slaves to Darkness also in the top. And I think that's interesting. Both Disciples of Zinch and Slaves to Darkness in that top 10% of 5-0 finishes. But when you actually look at Slaves to Darkness, um, they do well. 10% to so the second most performing army at 5-0s. Uh, but 13% at four ones, uh, and then they do okay in the 3-0 finish. They're, they're 35%. Uh, Disciples of Zinch, though, do really well at 5-0s, um, okay in four ones, and okay in 3-2s. So it looks like there's a lot of... that. My interpretation in there is that it requires a little bit of skill to push those Disciples of Zinch lists around, is what I'm going to try and say. If you're skilled with them, you generally tend to do better. Uh, the LRL, though, is the interesting stat. We'll come back to that. Um, top of the 4-1 brackets is Daughters of Cain in a far away. Uh, they don't tend to 5-0 very much. 40%, 4 percent um, of the 5-0 finishes are Daughters of Cain, but 31% are 4-1. So they're the kind of the queens of the 4-1 bracket uh, with quite a big difference down to Lumineth at 25%. But the, the kings, the legends... Sorry, Rob, the chat is shouting at us, Rob. The screen hasn't changed. Uh, what? Uh, what? It should do. Oh. oh, there we go, everyone. I'm sorry about that. I don't know why it didn't change. There we go. Um, it should just change live. What if I change tab now? There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, here we go. Oh, that's weird. I sorry. To, I, I didn't want to okay. carry I have on. To re I have to refresh it. That's a weird one. What if I do this? Will that change it? Do this? Okay. I'm not sure why that happened, but cool. Uh, anyway, top of the 3-2 bracket, Sons of Behemoth, Owen. 47% of all finishes are 3-2, yeah? But if we look at our kind of like our big meta percentage um, here, Sons of Behemoth have uh, the most popular army, 8.2% of the meta, but uh, they have a 74% chance for our positive win rate stat. So your mm -hmm. potential chance to have a positive win rate, i.e. 3 2 4 one, five, oh, 74% is Sons of Behemoth, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty high, ultimately. Um, and you can see all of the problem children are actually in there. Lumineth Realm Lords are the highest at 75% to be ability to go 3-2, um, 4-1, And it kind of, you kind of think, oh, okay, Lumineth, I have to be quite good to go to have a positive win rate with Lumineth. And actually, the argument kind of says that's not true. Because 75% of all players or all performances are like doing having a positive win rate. And yeah. I think that's quite I interesting. Mean, how hard is it to go drop Law Seeker, cast Lamb and Light, shoot you with 30 Sentinels seem particularly difficult. I'm just no. being salty. Don't <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And it's not meant to be critical of the people playing it. What it's meant to be is like, oh, okay, that's quite interesting. Because actually, if I was to suggest an army to someone right now who's new, which is why we always produce the stats, I'd say, you want to pick up Sons of Behemoth. Like, you're going to have a great time. He's going to push four models around. You're going to have a really interesting time. Daughters of Cain, same. I would not tell them to pick up Iron Jaws, who only 20, oh, sorry, Skaven, who only 21% of their results at the moment yeah, have a positive win rate. Yeah, like so mm. that's not their win percentage, but like they only have three, two, four, one, or five O's twenty-one percent of the time. And actually, when you go to a tournament, I think 
a tournament is either a win or a loss in your head, I would argue, whether or not you win more than you lose. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I, th- I would I would contradict you, though. I wouldn't say... I would say that, like, taking War Babies as your first ever army, I think it will mechanically teach you how to go through the phases, but I don't think it will really teach you how to play Warhammer. It'll teach you, you know, what the shooting phase is, what the combat phase is, what the charge phase is. Um, but when I say War Babies, I mean Sons of Bayonet, sorry. But I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to teach you about positioning and piling in and screening and you know what agreed I mean. but similarly i wouldn't give anyone uh, i wouldn't give everyone gloom spike gits or hedonites or beasts of chaos uh who are at like 18 or 14 percent of that chart and the reason i wouldn't is because they're like you're more than likely not going to get like you're more than likely not going to have a positive win rate from the event yeah mm-hmm. you, like you'll go you'll go two three one oh or you'll lose all your games and that just won't be very fun right no, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I think you learn a lot though from getting from lose. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you do learn a lot from losing. But not that hard. That's like that seems like they lose hard a lot. Whereas Sylvaneth are at that fifty percent mark. CC Sigma at forty three. You can lose. You could lose with Sylvaneth and have twice the chance to have a positive win rate. Yeah, like like, <laughs> like you'll still be on the losing end of that, which I think is interesting. Um, I know I know it comes up a lot, Rob, but just as we're on it. Yeah. So from models, ease of play, fun, and your your opponent's experience, who what army would you recommend somebody straight off the bat to play now? First army. Ease of use to play. Oh god, that's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, maybe Soulblight because they've got really stripped back rules um, you've got a lot of options but there's a lot of synergy you have to kind of understand about itself that's a great question Oceanarchs I think Ogres man no because so, so Ogres are in a really interesting point as well right so Ogres have um, uh, you've got your positive win rate potential so PWP new stat um, mm-hmm. PWP uh, is forty percent. So already you're going to be on the losing end, which isn't bad. But don't forget, these are people who are pushing around ogres to try to win. These are people who are like, I'm an ogre player. I'm going to do well with ogres. And then if you actually go and look at the the win rate for ogres, it's not great. Yeah, it's it's fifty percent. Like it's just on that flat end. But that's people who play ogres. Like if you're new, you don't have those skill sets to push them around that well. Like mm. these are people who are good at ogres and the best that they're really achieving is 50-50. Whereas the people who yeah. are good with Daughters of Cain are getting a 60% win rate, and they're getting a uh, 69, which is hilarious, um, uh, like positive uh, win rate potential. Right? So, like, I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know what the answer is. It's a great question. I'll have to, like, deep dive it and have a think. What do you think it is? Do you think it's Ogre still? No, on re- reflection, like, the guys in the chat have made some really interesting points around, you know, operating in various phases and I think maybe putting a Thunderstrike Stormcast army down or Thunder, whatever the new, the new Stormcast, putting that on the table might be fun. Your stuff's going to stick around. You've got shooting, you've got mortal wounds, you've got monsters, you've got a bit of everything. I mean, um, Uruk is probably the one. That mo- that double more crushing a bunch of pigs. Like, you understand synergy. Like, right, war chant someone, synergy. Move everything mm-hmm. forward, great. Charge, I understand how the always strikes first sort of thing, good. 
done. <laughs> and my, my opponent understands how to take his army off. <laughs> or her on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but I'm not sure. Oh, Have you got any kind of thoughts anyway, on? Because we haven't had on the show for a, we haven't had the show for a while. Have you got any kind of thoughts to take away for the, the audience uh, at the moment on lists? Um, uh, what do you think at the moment? Chat your time to say something. I I don't know. I've been in a few chats today, and well, I'm in a lot of chats, and um, there is a kind of a little bit of negativity bubbling up. And I'm I'm a sucker for I don't know I'm a sucker for being influenced so I'm going to try and keep my thoughts my own but there were some interesting points made um, I think we often talk about faction diversity and it does seem super diverse but list diversity within those factions seems to be quite um, you know scant you know I think that if you said they they took a uh, a Calibron list or they took a Breaker Tribe list or they took a Petrifex list. You know, you anybody who knows the game reasonably well will probably be able to pick out about 70 or 80% of that list straight away, um, which I don't think is brilliant for the game. Um, but I do think it's a wonderful game. Don't get me wrong. I play enough of it. It's got to be great, right? But I just think it's in a funny place at the moment. So much is put on efficiency and reliability, and does that create predictability? Um, uh, I'd say yeah, but we've got enough variables in the priority roll, right? Like that produces like some effects. Um, yeah. uh, like I think I think you're right, which is why I've said that the Zinch dice plus Kairos is like easily like is S because you've got you've got achieved battle tactics in one. I I will do charge X or Y. Um, and then deny battle tactics, i.e. the Kairos dice versus the other, which I think is good as well. Um, uh, but the uh, the overall, I'm not sure. Like like uh, the thing that I take away from the weekend, maybe with the points differential. I was in a very different tournament setting to tournament settings I've been to through, through the rest of Age of Sigmar, in the, the the differential made the conversation about how you won. And, like, it was more granular. And it felt like a really good conversation. Like, it okay. felt good. Like, it, like yeah, I think the game's in a really good... I think the game itself is really well done with the battle tactics and everything else. I mean, grand strategies are a joke bit. But that doesn't matter. Um, I think, like, the battle tactics plus primary is actually really interesting. And uh, the, the, the how you win and what degree you win by versus just you won or lost. I think, I think that's a bit of a, a dull statement anyway. Like, you don't, like, oh, Arsenal beat Man U 5-0, yeah? It's very different to, like, what, like a 1-0. Like, it's a, like yeah. it's a different chat. But we, like, they don't, people don't normally say that, do they, right? So, like, I think we don't have enough of a good conversation about how much people beat people by. as They just say, I won or lost. And that's maybe why it feels a bit predictable. Yeah. Because the conversation is predictable. But I think that you need to have that efficiency and reliability to, to win tournaments. So that's why the, these really good war scrolls are coming up. That's why everyone's taking Arcane Toe, Master of Magic. Like I know that Darren's a little bit, um, Darren Watson is a little bit down on list writing at the moment. He, he tweeted something out earlier because perhaps those wild times, maybe we're just looking back and thinking that it was great in AOS 2 when it was crazy, but maybe those wild combos and those little sleeper 
you know, those little bits of jank and those weird combinations between old War Scrolls and new War Scrolls, and that's all been cleaned up in favour of very efficient War Scrolls, very efficient damage, the ability to be able to switch things on much more reliably, not needing hero support. I don't know, it may just be, Rob, that I watched people play Warhammer all weekend from afar and I was really jealous and I just got a bit salty. Um, there's always that. No, I do agree um, with you. I don't, I don't think lists will be as diverse as they were, but I'm not sure that they... I'm, uh, I'm not even certain lists were diverse before, uh, ultimately. Like, like there's yeah, a, that's fair. There's, a, there's yeah, like, that's fair. the fact that I know the Daughters of Cain list I'm going to be playing is more than likely a Marathi in the Bow Snakes list is okay with me. Like, it's okay with me because I had a really good conversation at the weekend with Simon Weekly that I actually think that the Daughters of Cain win rate is really low because I think 80% of the games, and if you're one of them, I'm sorry, uh, that I've seen people play um, and my in my head, uh, they're playing it really badly. Like they're playing the that map, they're playing that army quite badly. And what I mean by that is, is uh, you quite often see uh, the Marathi and the Bowsticks in a scene where uh, Marathi just gets thrown forward first, takes damage early, and then isn't able to hold off to keep the snakes alive later. And actually, if you use Marathi to countercharge from a castle, like you would see from a Lumineth list, kind of, you've played it more like a Techly and Lumineth list versus some sort of weird half and half list, you would end up with a better win rate. Now, this is just me, like, just talking out my arse, but um, maybe, like, the lists being more settled is actually a real positive because the skill cap will get higher. People will end up doing better with uh, lists that they play time and time and time again. And actually, it becomes kind of an interesting conversation about, like, okay, the list is settled that I know I'm going to play against. How do I unpick it? And their skill becomes more relevant. And ultimately, when we're doing coverage or when we're talking about tournaments, we want skill to be the most relevant piece of information. We want the skill level to be really cool. Like, Games Workshop want all the lists to be different. Like they want like them to buy all the models, and they're like, "Yeah, everything's everything," and maybe we do as well. Um, but like from a from a t- pure tournament winning tournament gaming perspective, only you don't mind that the lists are similar ish. Maybe for the next year or so, like versus different armies, and and new books will come out, right? So we will have to adapt. You will have to adapt. You play. You have a very different list. If I was to say design a list to beat the Luminaire Thirty Sentinels versus the one to beat the Gargants, they're different lists that you would write. Yeah, and that goes to a point I did a few notes earlier just thinking about the the archetype lists that we've settled on, then mm. if you're interested. Like I just I've broken it down into two big things and I think Cabbage is is touching on it in the chat as well, just to round out. But we've either got these stack what I'm calling stack heroes. So you know your Gargants, Nagash, Archeon, the More Crushers and then Marathi is similar. I know you can't stack saves on her. So you've either got these big stack heroes. You've got shooty Death Stars, Rob. Mm-hmm. So 30 Sentinels, 30 Iron Drakes, 15 Bloodstalkers, um, and a delivery method for them. Either they've got crazy range or you've got a very reliable delivery method in the bridge for the Drakes. Um, and then we're seeing a few more of these swampy lists. So Benjamin with his 60 Plague Bearers, which are a surprising hammer. Um, or like lots of pinks. I mean, I've been looking at big swampy Mortec lists, for example. Um, and then scalpel lists, I think, are the only other things we're seeing. You know, so your three foxes with sentinels or the, that judicator list that Tom ran at the weekend feels like a very scalpel. Um, and even Nagash with his mortal wounds is, is quite scalpel-y. Um, 
But I, I think those are the problems that you're going to need to answer in list writing, and and those are the those are the the, the archetypes that you see. If you want to win tournaments, you need to try and have a way to beat those. Um, I don't know if you feel that like that's where the meta's settled, or if there's anything I've missed. But that that you know, hero hammer, shooty death stars, or or clog at the board. At least it's uh, a nice mix of a few things, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, and I think that the the way in which each army does that, if it can do any of them at all, is very different. And I think some of them have weaknesses as well as strengths. Um, I would I would wouldn't mind seeing the arcane tome and uh, the I wouldn't mind just core um, ability sorry core artifacts and stuff just deleted out of the game again uh, as we saw yeah. as we saw from um, uh, the ones we used to, with ethereal amulet and all that other jazz I wouldn't mind seeing yeah. them go, go by the wayside because the books aren't really pointed with those in mind uh, ultimately so it feels weird. Uh, but like, I'm really positive on it. Like, I think everything's great. Like, I think some armies need points changes, and I think things need looking around. Uh, but I think it's still super early. People are still learning the game. I've seen people fail ferocious advance, and when I've seen that happen, I know we're still early enough in the edition. Yeah, right. That <laughs> we're still early enough in the edition that there's loads to play for. And I think, yeah, like uh, Team Ancash is saying in the chat, we're gonna have loads of battle tomes. They're gonna shake up the meta. Uh, we can have loads of different lists, and I think that's really good as well. And also, like uh, as we've seen from the Uruk book and the Stormcast book, we might see how like brutes now are brilliant. Like, br like we haven't seen those lists yet, but brutes are back, baby. Like, and seeing a bunch of brutes played is going to be really fun. Uh, the Iron Jaws book isn't a particularly wide book anyway, but there's going to be more Bolt Boy lists put on the board at some point, uh, which is going to be really nice. The rumored Nurgle book is going to change up what we're going to see in those Nurgle things. We're going to see loads of Glockins or Plague Drones. We don't know. Uh, the meta's going to change loads. Like, and if, you, if I think about Age Sigmar 2, like when I was first doing that, like three years ago, whenever, when we were doing the stats with LLV, like we had... Like, the most popular army was Stormcast and Legions of Nagash. You don't, you don't see Legions of Nagash anywhere now. Uh, so it'll change around, and it'll be fun. And uh, and I hope some of it is insane. So it causes spicy memes, because that's what I'm here for, Owen. Spicy memes. Uh, the main spicy meme I want is Owen Jackson to go 5-0 at every event. Join me Twitch chat on that one. That's what we're looking for, wow. Owen. I want to get a 5-0 with OBR, and then I'm going to move to my narrative... Soulblight Army, which I'm thinking about yeah, at the moment. <laughs> um. Right, well, Owen, thanks for, thanks for today. It's been wonderful having you on. Thanks for having me, man. I'm sorry that I've missed so many weeks. I was just, as I say, working. working for the man. Working yeah. for the man. The man sucks ass. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, no, um, yeah, I've enjoyed this. Um, I don't think I'm the most critical of thinkers in Warhammer. I just like having fun with my pals, but... I think we have a nice little chin. Like I think somebody put there saying that the stat center is the part with Owen and Rob this past year has been my favorite Monday morning activity to have my coffee with while I'm working from home. Well, Gorka Morka, thanks. Appreciate you, man. It's been one of my favorite things to do every Monday morning as well. Hey, Rob. Same. The same. And it actually takes quite a lot of work to do in the morning. I need to end the show with, for me, a shout out to Ziggy, Rob, and the rest of the stats crew. Uh, for helping us put all the stats together. You're all wonderful. Um, we're hopefully going to get them, them finished and finalized. I know a lot of people like, when can I see those stats or see the stats publicly? Uh, it's not until everything is fulfilled because what I don't want to do is put out some like not full data. When I talk about it on the show, I say it's not full data. 
Um, and I don't want to put it out there as images so that some like Facebook knuckle draggers can just start like shouting at each other over some silly stuff. So I want the full information suite to be in there. And then we're going to do a deep dive on the show about it, um, which is going to be really fun. And we'll have a long conversation um, and it'll be really fun. And maybe I'll, get, I'll do a little interview with Ziggy and Rob and the rest of the guys about what they feel the stats say as well, because they've been doing a lot of it. Uh, so they've been really good. Um, so, Owen, you got any shout outs before we go? I do. I do. Very quickly. Um, I just want to shout out the Welsh guys. The, they, a lot of them were at Bobo and at various tournaments. All did really well. So big love. To those guys, um, I want to shout out the chosen ones. They know who they are. I hope they watch. They bring me joy with their salty comments and silly memes. Um, and then just two individual shout-outs. Um, Dan Arnold, my fellow TO for the Six Nations. I believe that's his first 4-1. So the monkey's off his back. We all knew that he was a fantastic player of Warhammer. So I just want to give Dan, he's a wonderful human being. So big, big shout-outs to Dan Arnold. And finally, Darren Watson for being Darren. It's a kiss for you, sir. Have a great day. There you go. I'm going to shout out the guys from the the Cobra Kai Club. I hope you're well. Uh, And all the guys in Sweden, as well as everyone else. Uh, Sydney Players Event Park for the weekend. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Iggy. uh, to our Honest Wargamer special, this has been fantastic. Thanks, Clear World Vagabond. Uh, joining me again tonight, when I'm going to be talking about Bone Slitter's Battle Tome, the, that final piece of the puzzle of the Uruk Warclans book. Uh, I actually think it's quite good. I actually think it's quite good. You can have some fun with it. Don't think it's brilliant by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe not quite as awful as maybe people have been uh, saying about it. You've got some, you got some play, uh, which is really important. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, it's been really cool. As always, this has been brought to you by people who subscribe to the Australian Patreon. They subscribe on Twitch. Hydro homies, stay hydrated. Twitch chat, you've been glorious. YouTube thugs, leave me alone today. Look after yourselves and see you soon. Bye. 